0: following is a special presentation of the Benefit of the Doubt
1: podcast. From Chicago, it's the Doubting Thomas podcast with Clifton Thomas and your host... To the, well, it's the third episode of the Doubting Thomas Monthly Recap, but it's the first episode that most of you are hearing. Because up until now, Doubting Thomas monthly recaps have been Patreon exclusives and they remain Patreon exclusives. So if you ever want to hear how bad the first three episodes were, you can become a patron at patreon.com/slash benefit of a doubt. But if you want to hear how awesome they are going forward, due in no small part to the amazing intro music that Cliff Thomas put together for this particular episode and for all episodes going forward until he comes up with something better, then you can enjoy this on the main feed. Um, They will be Patreon exclusives to start probably for a week. Still hashing out those details, but you know... I'm flighty like that. So here we are. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and with me is Clifton Thomas, my co-producer, and he's the smart guy to my dumbass. So how you doing, Mr. Cliff? You know that's not true. I'm doing well. It's uh, not entirely untrue, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're just going different um, things, that's all. But yeah, yeah, no. So I mean, it's it's really great to get on and chit-chat with somebody like once a month or so to just kind of go over the month that was and in this case we're talking about the month of September and I can only imagine how incredibly busy the next month is going to be because Techtober is right around the corner and we had a very busy month and we uh this is the this is the time that we just take to kind of recap what happened and talk about uh what made us excited over the past 30 days and i'm going to start off with the first actually you know what i want to i'm going to flip the script here a little bit i'm going to hit the fast forward in the month because i wanted to hear your thoughts cliff right i wanted to hear your thoughts cliff on Amazon Luna that we just learned about last week, and they were part of the Amazon segment that I did for that particular episode. And but I know you had some thoughts on that because you are a Stadia user, and you seemed very intrigued by Amazon Luna. So tell us about that a little bit.
0: Well, first of all, can I say you know I I did the Stadia review uh, for the site, and uh, I've had a chance to use it a little bit more. And honestly, I'm I'm not paying for it anymore because. <laughs> The performance is just so up and down with it, and it's really frustrating. Okay. So it's fine. Like I, I've actually gone back to using Steam. But uh, yeah, so uh Amazon's Luna is is definitely a competitor to to Stadia and also to Xbox Game Pass, I believe that's uh and Project something or other, whatever they which is X-Cloud. Xcloud,
1: Project X Cloud. Project X Cloud,
0: which is probably gonna be called something else because that was like the beta for yeah before. we're not
1: gamers it, by the way folks right, I, yeah, as, no. as much as i'm not a gamer cliff is equally not a gamer so. even less <laughs> honestly
0: <laughs> uh i have like the one game that i play maybe to uh i'm getting into some but yeah so so amazon's is is uh interesting um it has a dedicated controller and you can mm-hmm. also use uh other controllers from uh, both Sony and Microsoft, if that's mm-hmm. something you're interested in. The setup of it is very similar as far as the, the dedicated controller to what Stadia offers in, in that it connects to uh, Wi-Fi. And and also like Stadia, uh, it is something that you can use on Android devices. And uh, in this case, also uh, Fire TV devices. Uh, so I'm guessing that means they're, Tablets and then also uh, like the Fire Stick. And
1: and iDevices too, which yeah, was interesting. Yeah,
0: so that that's actually where it differs. Right now, uh, you cannot use the full Stadia experience on anything iOS. Um, yeah. you, there is an app, but it's just more of like an administrative thing. Right. Um, and that ha- definitely has nothing to do with limitations of the devices themselves, but uh, just Apple's locked down ecosystem. And Thanks, a lot of politics Apple. and yeah. Hi, <laughs> Scott. Me. He so my but, picture, uh, my face just turned into uh, oh, whatever their avatars are called. <laughs> that would have been funny if I could remember the name.
1: Oh, uh, uh, the the memoji thing. Right. Or, yeah. No, yeah, that's, exactly. that's no that's memoji,
0: Samsung. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah anyway. So. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so Amazon has actually made a dedicated uh, web app for iOS devices so that you can use Luna on um, Project Luna on iOS devices, both on uh, the iPhone and uh, the iPad. So that's really cool.
1: It is. It is. And what I liked about it was there's no buying of games up front. You know, you're $6 a month. You can have access to, like, I think they said, like, 100 titles to start, something like that. 110, I think,
0: is what they said. And so – it's interesting in that respect, but they also have something called channels, which I'll I'll delve into in just a minute. But yeah, yes, that's it, that it. Really scares
1: me. <laughs> it really is
0: like the Netflix of uh, streaming game services, right? Because mm-hmm. Stadia, you're actually purchasing the games. Um, right. You do get access to as a pro if you're paying the nine ninety nine a month pro level. Um, you do get access to a number of free titles. Right. However, yeah. Right. So so let's talk pricing, right? So that the uh, Amazon Luna, and they're doing this. Kind of like they've done with, the, or what what they've done with some of their um, other what I call beta releases, like the original Amazon Echo, their um,
1: smart the glasses, goggles, I think are still like that. Oh, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, um, and
1: um, the 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 sidewalk stuff, the Amazon Fetch and stuff like yes, that. Yeah, yes. that's so, all that's all beta. So too. the
0: controller, uh, I think, is going to retail. They say for sixty nine ninety nine, but it's forty nine ninety nine if you're picked by them uh right. to to be their their uh tester and then uh, the service until it exits that testing phase is 4.99 5.99 a month i think it's fine i think $5.99. It's,
1: it's i want to say it's 6 dollars a month yeah. so i'm going to go with that
0: which is a hell of a deal i wish they would keep it like that if they did that and the, and if the service actually works as well as it looks like it well they they would absolutely them. i mean honestly right. i think they could really put a hurting on consoles although i think oh, sure. those customers are two different groups probably some, maybe some crossover i'm sure the venn diagram has some crossover. Yeah, so that the model that they have is really awesome. Um
1: what what makes me what makes me nervous about the whole thing is the channels and the idea yes. that that what's a, uh, uh Ubisoft could Ubisoft, have a channel yes. and like other ones will have a channel and so like when I when I, I remember saying on the on the podcast it's not so much the Netflix of gaming but it's the Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus right. and like so it, it's almost like you're going to have like all these competing game streaming services Kind of like what we have in in movie streaming right now. When I can't say I'm really looking forward to that.
0: So, so here here was my initial thought on this. I don't know how true this will be because obviously this hasn't been released yet, and uh, we'll see how they actually. And execute you don't work it. for
1: Amazon, so I do not. <laughs> um,
0: but if if because different game developers tend to have different um, types of of uh, games that they put out. You okay, know, and so. If they treat it like actual channels, I mean, perhaps you're into simulations, and then there's one. Maybe it's not just one game developer or one house. I forget what they call those, but the 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 distributor essentially, right? right like Ubisoft does. If you're more into those, and, and maybe you can get multiple actual gaming developers in there, then that makes more sense. And and if they can do that, then instead of having to pay a um a larger amount, you know, like ten and 20 bucks for a lot of stuff that you're not going to use maybe it makes more sense that you can sort of, uh, tailor to buy your the content title. The right. Yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. know if that's how it's going to work, but that's what I would want. So to right. me, like if you, if you could pay like that five ninety nine, if they kept it like that and you just had like access to a small amount of games, maybe the, cause you know, Amazon actually owns a few game developers, mm-hmm. uh, gaming. Yeah. And so if you had that and then maybe subscribe to like one channel, that'd be really cool. Um, Versus like, you know, more a la carte kind of stuff that I think that would be awesome. But who knows if that's how they're going to execute it. Well, I mean,
1: as the same thing Amazon does with the, with the prime video stuff is, Mm -hmm. you know, they have the different channels Channels. for like Mm -hmm. the HBO and the stars and stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously that's something that appeals to Amazon and clearly um, because (laughs) it's, it's, it has potential to make a ton of money because like, you know, like Netflix, if you want to watch stranger things, you're going to pay Netflix to, to watch stranger things, not necessarily the other, you know, 30,000 titles that are on there, so um, but anyway, it's not, yeah, it's it, it, we'll have to see how things shake out eventually. But I, I, I'm very fearful for Stadia's future at this point just because of this. Um,
0: I mean, Stadia at this point, it doesn't even have access, uh, on TVs unless you have uh, the Chromecast Ultra, and we'll see what happens. Because, uh, as we're Although it does work this,
1: on the new Chromecast that's going to be announced tomorrow because I don't know if you saw this, but The Verge actually bought one of the Chromecasts that are in did. Best Buy right now before the, they got announced, and they brought it home, and they actually tried out Stadia on it. And it doesn't um, work. They,
0: I was actually wondering.
1: They had to sideload it they had to, oh. because it doesn't come on the dongle mm-hmm, but they mm-hmm. had to sideload it on, but it Sadia does work on it, which is kind of hilarious actually there's like four different parts of hilarity in that particular story How does um, that
0: happen though just just real because i I've you know you know that i uh, that I've worked in in electronics retailers and I mean you they come with a do not put out for sale until a certain amount of time. And it's not like it's happened in like one store. Like I, right. I actually was able to use uh, BrickSeek, which is a website where you can check the stock of SKUs uh, oh, okay. in multiple stores like Walmart. And it was available for sale in, in uh, a, a town about 30 minutes away from me. You should have gone. I thought about it, but I, and I you just have been, like, yeah. been like,
1: yeah, what's up? of got some clicks, baby. You could have gotten some clicks and now you won't get any. And that makes me sad. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, anyway, no, it's, it's it's cool, though, because like it's, it's a new the, the whole streaming games thing is kind of it's mm-hmm. not exactly new, but it's kind of like becoming a lot more mainstream now with Stadia and with Luna. So it's kind of exciting to see where this is going to go. It would be more exciting if I were a gamer. But um, it's still exciting to see, like, where this is all going, where this is all headed.
0: Yeah, if you haven't had a chance as a listener to watch their uh, Amazon's promotional video uh, for Luna, it's it's I mean, yes, it's a promotional video, but it really does show the uh, in the same way that I've, I've talked about before many, many times about sort of the the instead of having like the one computer that you have in front of you, just having it all live in the cloud and just like taking your Mm. smartphone or something everywhere, just having, you know, being able to, which, which kind of already exists with stadia and with project X cloud in different ways. But Amazon definitely has the most coverage in terms of different devices that it works on and just being able to, Mm. You know, get up from your computer and then go play it on your TV and just pick yeah. it up where you left off and having the same kind of experience with no It's very I mean, powerful. That's amazing. I mean to it me is. that's the future of computing, gaming, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, they seem to be the first one to deliver on that, at least based on their video and their promotional stuff. I, I yeah. Mean, based on the performance of how you know, how good AWS is though, their web services, I their their backside stuff. I wouldn't doubt it though.
1: Yeah, true true well well again we'll have to see but Mm -hmm. uh for now i think let's move on to a different kind of gaming not really gaming but we started off the month by talking to russell holly about the state of vr in 2020 and we talked about a lot of different topics in that particular thing you know obviously beat was a big one um obviously oculus quest now we actually talked before the Oculus Quest Two came out, which was unfortunate, like oh. the the timing of that was just kind of like ah uh, there there are there actually a few things that it was a big month for VR actually. So Facebook did have its uh, its Oculus Connect or the Facebook Connect is what they call it now mm-hmm. because because Mark Zuckerberg had to go screw everything up. Um, but and like at the at that time we saw the Oculus Quest Two get released for three. $100. Now, wow. putting put into context, I've been saying as long as I've been podcasting and as long as the Oculus Quest has been in my home, the Oculus Quest at $400 was the best one of the best deals in technology that you could get. I had it kind of as a tie between the Oculus Quest and the DJI Mavic Mini. So like both were $400 and both brought exceptional value to a platform that is Up until that point was fairly inaccessible, you know, because like, you know, drones you can get, you know, for 50 bucks, but like good drones, DJI Mavic drones, you could not get for less than pretty much
0: anything below their price points uh, that those two that you're mentioning was a toy.
1: Yeah, whether it's whether
0: it's VR. I mean, honestly, I. My experience with VR was limited to uh, the stuff that Google was putting out for a while, like cardboard, right. and then um, they had the dedicated. Oh, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. just not the same. I haven't had a chance to right. use the Oculus uh, Go or the Oculus Quest, but uh,
1: the, the Oculus Quest Two at three hundred dollars. Now there were a lot of compromises made to the Oculus Quest Two. There was a, a step down in some of the materials that were used. Um, they switched to LCD screens as opposed to OLED, hmm. and um, some of the eye adjustment. Thing that you can do with the Oculus Quest. I'm pointing at my face as if this is a video <laughs> podcast. Um some of the eye adjustments that you can do with uh with the Oculus Quest that you can't do with the Oculus Quest 2. So they they may they cut a few corners to get the price down to $300, but come on. Three hundred dollars is an insanely low price point for even even if the Oculus Quest is half as good, even if the Quest Two, I should say, is half as good as the Oculus Quest for three hundred dollars. That's insane value. In, and if I, I remember love that.
0: right, that's also using Qualcomm's new dedicated uh, processor for VR, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's based off of the Snapdragon eight sixty five, but it is a like a VR specific heads uh VR-specific chip that they designed. The name escapes me exactly what it is. But, like, the Oculus Quest has a Snapdragon 835 in it. So that's a fairly old processor compared to, oh, you know, if by see, today's if it's processor. just talking
0: about the, the GPU difference, it's pretty significant. That's three generations. Right.
1: Right, and like the Oculus Quest Two is ninety hertz, um, has a ninety hertz refresh rate as opposed to the sixty on the Oculus Quest. So like yeah. overall, there there are some there are some significant upgrades as well. And I mean, not I've, enough, I'm, that, not I've, enough that I can justify buying an Oculus Quest Two, unfortunately. Well, you already have
0: that you have the original, right? I have the
1: Oculus Quest yeah, though. To me, but too. I, I mean, I
0: don't know how good yeah. the LCD is, but I've used some really good LCDs in the past six months from with the. Uh, the TCL that I reviewed uh, for the mm-hmm. channel uh, here. And, and so LCD I mean, yeah, you don't get those deep blacks and, and, and I mean it does feel like it just as a spec, like a step down, but I, I wouldn't ding them too much for that considering it's a hundred bucks less. And didn't they up the right. storage from 32 to 64 too?
1: Um, no, the, the, the storage was 64 on the oh, base okay. model of both the Oculus Quest and the Oculus Quest 2. However, I want to say the next tier up for the Oculus Quest, it was 128 gigabytes, and for the Oculus Quest 2, it's actually 256. Right,
0: right. It's a huge so, step up.
1: Yeah, so that's a major step up. And I want to say that's like an extra 100 bucks. So, like, mm-hmm. for the price of an Oculus Quest, you can get an Oculus Quest 2 with, like, four times the storage. I which feel like is that's not the one I would go for. Insignificant. Yeah. Well, now, unfortunately... Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to Nick Sutrich about Mm. about the Oculus Quest. I know he just got his in for Mm. review, so um, I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet, but he was uh, touting the virtual desktop quite a bit. He he seemed to be a fan of that. I haven't tried that yet because I was chatting with him earlier today and my internet was out, so um, no no quest testing in that particular situation, but I'm thinking next week I might try out that virtual desktop just to see how things are going, but like just in general like v r is a very is very exciting right now, and like I know it's 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 very it's very niche, and v r is really the kind of platform that you need to try it in order to in order to try it out, but one of the things that Russell Holley mentioned was you know one of the things that v r needs to do to get over this hump is to become especially accessible and a week later facebook announced the 300 dollars oculus quest 2 which i mean that's that's accessible i mean that is very accessible you're not in impulse buy range but you're not that far out of it either you know, I, mean, I just
0: i feel like they just appeal to different people like if you're a casual gamer like you and i are mm-hmm. i think i would rather drop money on that than i would like uh the current Xbox series or like a, 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 sure. a PS4, because that's kind of at the price sure. level they're at now. I mean, the, yeah. the serious gate, well, I don't know, serious console gamers are going to, are, are going to, you know, spend this $600 for the Xbox series X or whatever right. the new one is called. So it's kind of its own thing, but I think I would rather actually have the, to me, because I I think with VR, you're not supposed to have it on for that long, right? Without vertigo and things like that happening. So it's kind of a get in and get out kind of experience i've
1: done i've done like an hour hour 15 at a stretch give or take like you know but yeah i mean like the oculus quest battery only lasts about two hours and i believe the oculus quest 2 is somewhere around that Mm -hmm. neighborhood maybe a little bit less um than two hours but but even so, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's 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 not exactly the type of thing that you wear for 24 hours like right. Russell Holly did with the Microsoft <laughs> HoloLens, um, t- for which he has my undying respect. But actually, you transition us nicely into this month we saw the release and the pre-order of the PlayStation uh, 5 and the Xbox Series X and S. And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because – we're not gamers, but it was it was fairly significant for the gaming industry because both the Xbox and the PlayStation came out with digital-only versions and regular versions, like with optical drives. And I got to say, you know, I was looking at the price of the Xbox S series, which is the digital-only version, which is less powered than the X series. Right. Um, but at the same time, it was like, I want to say it's $299 it two ninety nine or three ninety nine something.
0: I think it's two ninety nine.
1: But and I read this and I wasn't. I need to look into it farther because it's kind of tempting. But I I, I read somewhere that like Xbox was planning to sell the Xbox Series S with 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 a payment plan of yes. twenty five dollars per month, which also includes Xbox Game Pass. I In was, with that, I was So was going to if you
0: didn't. To me, that's super tempting.
1: And that is very tempting, like 25 bucks a month. That's pretty darn accessible. Mm. Um, And I can write it off. (laughs) So, I mean, it's even more tempting. Um, But like, I'm kind of tempted to do that. But at the same time, like, do I really need another console? (laughs) Like, do I really need another reason for my son to be blasting stuff on the TV next to me while I'm trying to work? Um, You could have a,
0: a, a secret gaming console.
1: I, I could, I could, but no. I mean, well, it's funny. You have, because like the my, button
0: that you press and everything flips back into the
1: wall, right? No, my son is the one that actually has an Xbox controller. He bought it for hmm. his, so he can control games on his iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I gotta say, like that S Series for twenty five bucks a month—that is that is very tempting. And so there might be a review of the Xbox Series S coming to this podcast. We'll have to see. But um, I just. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, I just kind of want to test it out, just to kind of get a sense of it. But at the same time, that's two two years of twenty five dollars a month payments, or whatever the whatever the yeah. term is on the on the loan. That's that's a lot to satisfy curiosity. Really,
0: really quickly, though, <laughs> yeah. it is interesting to me how um, you know because because even three hundred dollars, like you said, it's not really an impulse buy kind of thing. But there are. Subscription service for for things coming out all over the place. So, like you said, I right? And I have um, uh, Nura headphones, which I'm paying nine ninety nine a month for, and it's not like a lease. Uh, it's it's like a lease. These are not okay. buy to own. These are five hundred dollars headphones that you pay nine ninety mo- nine ninety nine a month for, and they are to amazing. Borrow
1: them, basically. So. Uh,
0: but you, but you and then.
1: And then if you stop paying nine ninety nine, then you have to send, them back, send whatever, them back. You just send them back,
0: exactly. And I mean Volvo's, so like Volvo's the doing the thing headphones. where
1: you basically
0: uh, have a car as a subscription. It in yeah. it for twelve months, yeah. and then you turn it in for a new one. So it just I think it's really interesting. We're becoming like we've always. I think we've talked at some point about you know throwaway culture, right? Like in a way, it's kind of disturbing, but at the same time, I kind of like it. It's just well, yeah. I mean, you're always it's up to date because. Like,
1: the world figure out how to Kodak this stuff, right? Like, right, um, because again, it's not about the camera; it's about the film. <laughs> so, like, exactly, you know, it's the, the world it's the, is trying to. It's
0: the sh- it's the uh, printer ink and uh,
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: uh razor formula for everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the world is uh yeah, the, which is I, I'm not. I can't say I'm overly fond of that but we're we're quickly becoming a culture where we don't own anything mm-hmm. um and maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a bad thing but you know like one thing that i do own is a google pixel 4a yes, you do. and so we are going to transition right on over to that review and like i i feel like i need to use this platform because i don't already have my own podcast i i feel like i need to use this platform to reiterate I still have no idea why I love the Pixel 4a as much as I do. Like, I went through an entire review period with it. I w- wrote an entire review on it. And it's like, what, what gets me is like, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it again. There is nothing that the Pixel 4a does that another phone out there doesn't do better and, like, I mean nothing, because, like, even if you want to say, well, what about the camera? OK, the Pixel 4 <laughs> does it as good. The Pixel 5 will do it as good or better. And it's like there's nothing that another phone doesn't do better. But at the same time, I, I just love the little phone. Like, it's it's just it's it's going to be the phone that I transition back to when I'm done reviewing devices. And like, I can see that going on for a long time, regardless of what else ends up in my pocket, at least for the, at least for the remainder of this year and probably a good portion of next year too. Unless of course I sell it and get a pixel five, which is very possible, but um, yeah,
0: here's, here's kind of my new, I don't want to call it my new philosophy on things, but it's a new appreciation for things. Right. So with, with, Mm The Pixel 4a, right? It's just, it's the perfect blend of simplicity, the right amount of features, and a, a very accessible price point with, exactly. with the promise of software updates. It just, it does everything well, even though it doesn't stand out particularly in one thing except maybe the camera.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 like even, and if
0: you like the software, I mean, that's the other side.
1: Of it. Um, and even the camera is a little, like... You know, like I mentioned during my review, I was taking some product photos with both the LG V60 and with the Pixel 4a, and I actually kind of gravitated more towards the photos that the V60 was taking, just because I kind of preferred the cooler take mm-hmm. that, that, the, that the V60 had, especially LG definitely for has product a cool, photos. Uh,
0: uh, yeah. Uh, that's the way their software is tuned for their cameras. Yeah, the, the Velvet mm-hmm. is the same way. Yeah, But so, well, that's more a personal I mean, taste.
1: And But it should be mentioned that, like, you know, as I'm saying that this is going to be the phone that I always return to, I have an LG V60 that I could go to, which is a much more powerful machine. You know, I can do a lot more on it. I can render video on it if I wanted to. Actually, I haven't tried rendering video on a Pixel 4a. I probably should just for the sake of trying it, but I don't imagine that's going to go very well. Um, so it's like it's like one of those things like I I just really enjoyed the phone and, you know. It's it's unremarkable in every way, and yet it's just the Google experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of get it now. Like I used a Pixel two a long time ago, um, as and only for about a month or so. Like and so I got kind of a taste of it. But like every other phone that I've used since then, you know, even the Motorola phones that I've used since then have had a similar Google experience, but not quite to the layer of polish that the google pixel 4a had and i think i think google's just starting to really get it when it comes to you know presenting you know putting their best foot forward from a phone perspective which is why i'm kind of excited about the pixel 5 to see what they have there's also
0: something to be said for um just going back going back to simplicity like Having just a, a, a simple fingerprint reader on the back, having a, a plastic build that's comfortable in the hand—it's right sized for mm-hmm. most people. Like, yeah, it's simple in the best way. What my my analogy was going to be: I recently traded vehicles, and I—I I, what I got was technically a downgrade in terms of features and um, accessories and things like that. But I, I just I like it because. It's the right mix of stuff for me when I'm, I'm specifically talking about my vehicle. Um, right. It has the things that I want and the things that I don't want. Things that can't break, and I almost feel like I kind of bought for me. It's like the Pixel Four A of vehicles um, because it was priced less than what I had before. I don't. I'm paying less than I was as far as the payments. But it, what I liked about the car that I had before, I still get with this one, and. It just – I feel better about what I have because I didn't spend so much on it this time. And so I saved money and still got everything that I like about it. And I have a 10-year warranty. It's like what – which to nice. me, like having a 10-year warranty is kind of like having the three years of software updates with a Pixel.
1: Very true. I, and you know, and don't, don't underestimate that warranty, sir, because let me tell you, at 99,000 miles, my wife's car needed a new um, catalytic converter, mm. I think. And, like, we took it into the dealership. Like, this is right before we went to New Orleans. And we took it into the dealership to have that looked at. And they found, like, four other things that were wrong with the car. They ended up doing, like, five grand worth of work for nothing because we had that warranty that was going to expire at 1,000 miles. Yes, exactly. Or or at 100,000 miles. My warranty had just
0: expired. And I was getting around almost 80,000 miles. And and I'm kind of like, hmm. And I got to that point where, like, the car, like, the legit... Car warranty people are like, "Hey, we just heard your (laughs) your something 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 just expired." I still get those calls two years later. Yeah, yeah. Probably time to switch. But anyway, that that was a like a a, a comparison that was kind of out there. But again, I just I'm starting to appreciate things that um that offer that that punch up that offer a lot for the money and still give you a great experience. So
1: you know what's interesting since you mentioned that my son is 14 years old, which means he's going to start to need a car around two or three years from now. Mm -hmm. And this month, and this is just going to be a quick little side trip. I don't expect to spend a lot of time on this, but this month, um, Elon Musk came out and said that, um, a full self-driving autonomous car, electric car for $25,000 is about three years away. And so my wife and I are thinking, because <laughs> you know what, it's even better if we can put him in a car and not actually have, yes. make him drive anywhere. <laughs> but, but no, no, seriously, he would get our piece of crap car and we would get the Tesla. But mm-hmm. still, um, but, but you know, so Tesla did have its battery, day, his battery day this month. And again, this is just a side, a side track And there, there's actually a story in this week's podcast about that where uh, Elon was very disappointed with the media coverage of Battery Day. And that's just because, dude. Well, they called it Battery Battery Day. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, batteries are kind of boring, man. I mean, like, what (laughs) did you expect? Uh, But anyway, so, yeah. So getting back to the Pixel, um, you know, just getting that stripped down, really basic bare bones experience that just works well, you know. And I should also mention that the Google Pixel 4a is the first phone that I started using Google's gesture system with. Um, because I had resisted the urge up until then but you know what I got the pixel 4a. I'm like all right, you know what Google this is your phone I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it your way and we're gonna see how you like it or we're gonna see how we like it and it kind of works I don't like the multitasking gesture I hate that half drag up thing that Apple forced upon us and then Google forced upon us later um, but I don't, everything I don't else like, like all, that all the, the other search
0: or, or bringing up the the Google assistant is from the corners.
1: I, see, I dig that. Well, what, what I I'm saying that. Though, I is that, that, but, but then you have
0: like the half drag up for the. It's easier. It's easy to accidentally trigger the the Google Assistant when you're trying to get to the multitasking. That's the only thing I don't like about the gestures.
1: See, for me, like the main problem that I have is I continued using the gesture on the um, blue phone that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm reviewing this week, which the it'll the review will be for next week. Spoiler. And um, yeah, spoiler. Um, and um, the phone has a tendency to lag just a little bit, especially when I'm trying to do that up that swipe up gesture. Yeah. so that's really annoying <laughs> but uh, but aside from that I, I I dig the gestures in Google, I just I dig the software I just i like I said I, there's so much about the phone that I really enjoy, but it's not the best of anything. but there is another phone that is kind of the best of everything. And it is way too expensive for this podcast to buy, although I, Cliff hasn't committed yet either way. Um, but we've got the Samsung Galaxy Fold 2. I only say that because Cliff is really bad with money. Anyway, um, we've got the Samsung Galaxy Fold 2. And since I couldn't buy one, I had on um, Chris Velasco. Who is a friend of the show? Who came on and chatted about it? And you know what? I gotta say, he's a fun interview. Mm-hmm. I, I I had a good conversation with him. Yeah, I had a chance so, to listen
0: today. It. it was a great interview.
1: It was, and 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 you know, it was very like you know back and forth. And he just he just kind of interviewed get it, you a few he times. Says, he did, he did. I and I like it when you flip the script oh, yeah. like that. But like one one of the biggest takeaways that I got from that um, was a. The fact that he went out and bought a Galaxy Fold on, with his own money, and actually it was delivered while we were uh, while we were talking. Really? Um, I tried to get him to go get it and like unbox it for the podcast, but he wouldn't do that. Um, but anyway, like audio so,
0: unboxings to excite the eyes.
1: Yeah. Right. So he bought. So he bought that with his own money. But the reason he did it was was something that really stuck with me. Like. As a senior editor of Mobile for Engadget, his Im- his impression of foldables is very important. It's it's very important for him to understand foldables on the type of intimate level that you only get by owning the device yourself, not just using it for 2 weeks for a review period, but for actually like doing it the day to day with it for like, you know, days, weeks and months at a time and having that kind of experience. And so, I respect that. Not $2000 respect it, but I respect it. But also like the other the other main opinion that he had about the Galaxy Fold 2 was there was so much refinement that Samsung put into the Galaxy Fold two that he felt that it was finally a product that was kind of ready to buy. Not for everybody, surely, but it was the type of product that actually should be sold. Um, so yeah,
0: yeah, I felt that way. Uh, just just looking at the features uh, of the fold to having owned a a foldable for like a week and a half and and it was a first gen product um
1: which by the way i don't i don't know that we've made that announcement yet but cliff did actually return the the motorola razor gen one so that's literally that was
0: that was my reaction to it after i ordered it for i mean i won't go into it but except to say that So much of it was really interesting and it was, it was a piece of art, but in, in day to day, it was just for what I, I was paying for it. It was like, yeah, no, you're going back.
1: (laughs) That's legit. And, and I mean, but it's because Chris said that, Mm -hmm. you know, because of his, you know, responsibility to own, like, I've never, I've never even held a foldable to this day. And so like, I'm slowly trying to come around to the fact that I probably should buy one of these at some point. I'm not quite there yet, but you know, I'm starting to look at some deals that are coming out. The Motorola Razr is coming out this Friday and like some OEMs are offering it for as much as $700 off with like various deals and stuff like that. You have to do a trade in, you have to like sign up for a new line and stuff like that, and you have to lease it out over 24 months, but I mean like, that's not for seven hundred dollars, that's that's compelling. Well, it I mean, really honestly, is.
0: for most people, if you're going to get a phone that's that 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 kind of investment, it's a lot of. It actually makes sense to get it through a carrier to offset right. it with monthly payments. Yeah,
1: right. Unless of course it breaks two months in, and then you're paying for two years. Well, the good thing
0: nothing. is with a lot of these, I don't know what Motorola offers. I can't remember now. I should know, but a lot of I know Samsung offers like that one time. Screen replacement for like 150 bucks or something, and like yeah, yeah, it's not too bad considering the price right. of, of the phone. Yeah, the, the thing that really to me, um, besides the the, the refinement of, of just the basics of the, the fold two concept, is the fact that it actually has a screen on the front that you can use without having to feel yeah. like you need to open it up on the front. Um,
1: As does the Razer Two, by the way. Right. But yeah. Anyway. Exactly. So, uh,
0: and and just the, the the fact that they they. Have more of a stepped hinge, things like that to see make it seem much more easy to live with. Yeah, oh, like you said, not two thousand dollars for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and with, honestly, like the only thing I would say the only thing major thing holding me back from the Razer 2 is the fact that it doesn't have that stepped hinge. The uh, the the what do they call it where you can open it like halfway, yeah, and have it services mm-hmm. like its own tribe. That is kind of a bummer for me. Like with the Moto Razer 2, it's all it's either all open or nothing, so like that's kind of a bummer, but at the same time, I think I need to really do some soul searching and figure out if I can manage to justify that type of, uh, that type of a payment. And we're actually kind of getting towards the end of our show here. So the, and I don't want to yada yada, the Samsung galaxy fold too, but I think honestly, for a lot of listeners, it's probably kind of a yada yada a bull phone just because it is still $2,000. um, What I will say is that Chris Velasco came away so impressed with the Samsung Galaxy Fold 2. He put $2,000 of his own money into it. I think that honestly says more than you and I can say. Absolutely. About it. Mm-hmm. And I want to move on to our last topic, but before I do, I have some shout-outs that are due to my patrons who are contributing $5 or more per month. It's very generous of you, and we appreciate the hell out of it. This month, we have Clifton Thomas. Thank you, Cliff. We have Tristan Rayner, our friend from the Digit Daily Newsletter. Thank you, Tristan. We have Michael Keeper, Johan Bresky and a new friend with Benefit this month, Neil Wilson. Michael, Johan, and Neil, I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate all of you, and I really hope I'm pronouncing your names correctly, and no one has corrected me thus far. So let's run with that, and then I just want to wrap things up by talking about graphene a little bit because graphene is the wonder material. And I went through about four different iterations of the intro of that particular episode, just because like I was talking about space elevators and like, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Like it's, it's, if you do some research into graphene and you go back like 15 years, like the stuff that, that graphene was supposed to be bring us by now is actually kind of amazing. But at the end of the day, what we get are fast charging batteries, which honestly might be what we need most at this point. Like even more than space elevators. Yeah, the but- two
0: places I see graphene as like an actual thing in products are number one, what we're going to talk about, and two is like the 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 cone, the the, the actual like uh, thing that creates the vibrations in like true wireless headphones. You're like, oh, we have graphene mm. for like fifty right. dollars, oh, which
1: and but what uh but you know what sam was talking about like one of the one of the things they talked about on that show was like how so many companies will use the term graphene even though they're really just talking about graphite mm-hmm. and like graphite and graphene are tangentially related i think they're part of the same family but graphene is actually the two dimensional stuff which mm-hmm. i think was just kind of cool But, I mean, he is talking about... And, like, I want to say that this definitely ended up in the extended interview. So, if you didn't hear this on the show, that's why. Um, But, like, he was talking about how you can drive a Tesla onto a charging... uh, Like, and plug in a charger. And you could have a a Tesla that goes from zero to full in, like, 20 minutes with graphene-enhanced batteries. And, like, he's speaking theoretically. He isn't actually working with Tesla. But he's talking about, like, the size of the cells. What they're capable of doing with graphene is is insane compared to like what even superchargers do today. Big
0: difference is the conductivity properties of graphene, right?
1: The conductivity and the heat dissipation. Mm. So like there's two things like, you know, and, and you know, when you look at a spectrum of like charging and discharging you've got like you know um what are the thing capacitors on one end Mm -hmm. and you've got batteries on the other end capacitors are great for charging fast and discharging fast batteries are great for holding a lot Mm -hmm. of energy for a long time but they're slow to charge and like what he's saying is graphene kind of gives you the the speed of capacitors along with the charging and the durability of batteries and kind of combines them into one Mm but it's just it's just incredible what he's doing and you know i was able to test out one of his chargers one of his first gen uh batteries and you know and i wanted to the, he had kind of an awkward answer on the podcast itself but i left it in because i don't believe that we i i don't believe we actually well, he wasn't really a PR adequately guy, he was an engineer right no yeah he's the ceo of oh, the company oh, okay. so so um but in the but, interview he seemed
0: like much more of an engineer guy than a, than a and not that he was a bad interview in that respect but he had he had that more like engineer feel than like No yeah know. he didn't have right, a BS yeah.
1: in PR that's for sure that's for sure no he uh, he was an engineer he graduated uh with a degree in engineering um from <laughs> somewhere out west i don't remember so Sorry. anyway um the reason he was um the the reason i left that particular answer in was because what i was kind of thinking was graphene batteries will charge your phone faster like you'll plug your phone into a graphene battery and it's going to go zoop that's not the case graphene enhanced batteries are able to charge themselves super quick which is not which which is an important distinction like when you plug a graphene battery into your phone it's not going to charge up any faster than another battery would but the difference is, is when you've got a 20,000 20, milliamp hour anchor battery, I'm, using, I'm throwing out a name here, no offense, anchor, still love you, and you use a 20,000 milliamp hour graphene battery, you're going to charge the anchor battery in like two hours, you're going to charge your graphene battery in 20 minutes. And that is pretty valuable like that absolutely alone is valuable just because like you've got 20 milliamp hour twenty thousand milliamp hour worth of power that you can plug into you know your computer or your phone or your tablet or everything and once that's fully discharged you can recharge it again like before your episode of Fuller, Fuller House is over, you know, not that anybody watches Fuller House and not that anybody should watch Fuller House. But if you happen to watch Fuller House, you can charge a graphene battery in the time that it takes Stephanie to screw something up and pet the dog. I don't know, whatever, whatever that show's about. I only watched the first season anyway. So, um but yeah, Poor I think that. Poor Aunt Becky. Um, <laughs> the the ageless Lori Laughlin. Yes. Anyway, um, so overall, it was, it was an awesome month, and I'm looking forward to a very active September, probably less active November, and probably pretty much dead December. <laughs> but it will get us through this crap hole of 2020, the only redeeming quality of which is it brought you the benefit of a doubt podcast. That's right. So, but um, I think it's uh, just about time to wrap things up. Cliff, did you have any final thoughts for the uh, audience? This is the first one that's going out to everybody. So think carefully or don't. Sometimes those are better. I (laughs) wish I had words
0: of wisdom, but I just want to say I I am very excited for um, Techtober. I always feel when I hear Techtober as like a word, because you think there's November, which is Movember, where you wear a mustache for charity do you grow like a tech beard for uh, mo- maybe. For, for Techtober? Maybe you just, could grow a tech, tech beard. Maybe just glue smartphones and stuff to your face and call it. I don't know. But yeah. that.
1: And no, I will not be shaving for Movember, just so you know. And despite Cliff's best efforts, I will not be shaving for the show. Uh, How about just
0: a mustache? Like, come on. No.
1: I've got like 16 (laughs) chins under here I need to cover with hair. So, no, that's not going to happen. But, uh, no, it's awesome. And I'm looking forward to to, to Techtober. But even more so i'm looking forward to people hearing the wonderful yes. intro that you built for the show because it's amazing and i love it I'm so, so- So um, let's go ahead and wrap things up for this first official edition, but the fourth actual edition of the Doubting Thomas monthly recap. Stay tuned for more exciting things coming from this channel, including a giveaway. Hello. And um, and like videos and stuff like that. Yeah, this this channel is going to get busy. And I'm not sure that I have the bandwidth to do it, so I might go crazy before the end of this year. Won't that be great? So anyway, thank you again, everybody, for listening, for tuning in, and for giving Cliff Thomas and I the benefit of the doubt.